I keep going back and forth. I, I liked the sort of just like, I am Russian, I am stoic, I have no emotion kind of character that he played. You American like to think of yourself as direct. Perhaps you are just rude. Right. <laughs> Welcome to episode 76 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and sometimes TV shows. We're recording on Thursday, January 23rd, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today is our very own secret agent, Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? I'm all right, but you just let my secret out. Oh, now you have to kill me, I assume. Yeah, well, watch your back. It's, it's been nice it's been <laughs> nice knowing you, I suppose. Yeah, it's okay, guys. I'll, I'll continue movie by it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we want to keep you around, uh, but <laughs> we, we, we won't mention anything more about your secret identity. Okay, I appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, if, if, if we sound a little tired tonight, it's because we're recording later than we intended, and it's totally my fault. Um, I, uh, I got stuck at work deploying a website, and things were not going according to plan, and so I had to fix the issues that were happening in the deployment, and it's all, you know, all very, uh, it's, it's the sort of stuff that we don't talk about on the show. So, I mean, you think this is what people tune in for? <laughs> yeah. Definitely uh, to hear about our work lives. Yes. But anyway, suffice it to say that I'm a little tired. Work, work didn't, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on right now. So, and you're kind of tired. I think you said too, right? I am. Since we last talked, uh, I've started school again. I had a birthday. It's really cold. So lots of stuff going on here too. It's not that cold here in Nashville. It's only like 140 below zero or something. I, I yeah, not, not, not cold at all. (laughs) It's, it's cold to me. I just, I don't even know what the temperature is right now, but it was like uh, a couple days ago. It was like 17 when I woke up in the morning. It's just, Oh, well it's 16 right now here, right here in Lyles. It is 16 degrees. Uh, it's 14 degrees in Franklin where I work. But that's okay. We're uh, over in Peoria, Illinois, where I have several people that I know. It's zero degrees. It says exactly zero on my iPhone right here. So Yeah, yeah, I'm at about 18. I guess they got a lot of snow up in the northeast this past week. I guess so. Anyway, like like I said, this is what people tune in for. So uh, we should actually talk about something (laughs) people do tune in for. And that is, uh, let's talk about some movie news, Chad. Shall we do that? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, federal agents take a man out of a theater for wearing uh, Google Glass. Uh, if for those of you who don't know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of on the I'm kind of one of these technology geeks, and so I kind of know what's going on in the technology world. But not all of our listeners may be. So, Google Glass is wearable computing. It, it, it you it's it's like glasses that you put over your eye, and it has a heads up display that you can interact with by blinking and doing different kind of weird things. I, I mean, I would never be caught dead wearing one of these things. It's just totally <laughs> uncool, as far as I'm concerned. But that's beside the point. Um, so and you're all about the cool. Uh, I am actually. I like to be cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm very cool, man. <laughs> all right. So uh, Russ Fisher over at Slash Film says because I don't want. Gl- uh, wait a minute. Did I put the right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's actually quoting. So Russ Fisher at Slash Film wrote the article that I'm quoting. But uh, I'm quoting his quote from the article from the guy who. Um, who got yanked out of the theater it says because I don't want Google because I don't want glass to distract me during the movie I turn them off but since my prescription lenses are on the frame I still wear them and about an hour into the movie Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit a guy comes near my seat shoves a badge that had some sort of shield on it and yanks the Google Glass off my face and says follow me outside immediately 
It was quite embarrassing. And outside the theater, there were about five to ten cops and mall cops. Since I didn't catch his name in the dark of the theater, I asked to see his badge again. And I was asked what was the problem, and, and, I, and I asked what the problem was, and I asked for my glass back. The response was, you see all these cops, you know we are legit, and we are the federal service, and you have been caught illegally taping the movie. What do you think about this, Chad? You know, it's frustrating. It's it's not exactly uh, fair. There, there was really not any proof. Uh, I, I don't know if I clicked through on this article or if I read another article that was talking about the same thing, but uh, he, he'd been to this theater multiple times with the glass on and without without incident and so it was just strange that this one time uh that it became such a huge issue and you know i mean i understand where they're coming from a little bit but they they didn't go about doing this the right way yeah it's pretty far reaching the way they go about doing it these days and i don't know about the theaters where you're i don't know if you uh, if it's the same in all carmike theaters or the carmike theater just the carmike theater that i go to in franklin but uh, they have this thing that that shows up before the movie if you see you know, it's like uh, downloading or no, no, no. Um, filming movies is illegal or whatever it says. Then it says if you see any suspicious behavior or activity, please report this to the to the manager or whatever it is, or to please report suspicious activity, basically. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it's just a little much. Like uh, I'm I'm all for you know if people are being disturbing in a movie, taking them out, and and that seems legitimate to me. But what I'm not for is is yanking somebody who's not disturbing anybody out of a movie. I mean, what what harm would it have done, even if you suspect him, to wait until the movie's over and, and get uh, get him as he's coming out and be a little like, hey, I just want to make sure, were you recording that movie? I mean, and then you can deal with it, R- regardless right. of what I think about the state of the copyright and patent system, which is completely broken. I mean, it just seems like this whole thing could have been dealt with in a much better manner. I mean, I guess this takes immersive cinema to a whole other level where this guy's being uh, confronted by government agents. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I was a little too – I've, I've calmed down a little, but I was a little too upset when I wrote about this to to really think about tell. that. Uh, I, I mean, uh, so here's what I wrote. Uh, I cannot begin to describe on how many levels this angers me, but as a writer, I should try. As a geek, this angers me that simply being an early adopter of new technology got this guy in trouble. The fact that at this point I cannot ever imagine wearing Google Glass myself is immaterial. It angers me because a cop walked up to a guy in the theater who was doing nothing wrong and treated him like a criminal. It angers me that the crime of being a of making a crappy recording of a movie gets more attention than many real crimes that go on in our country all the time. It angers me that our copyright and patent system in this country is so inexcusably out of control. The police state mentality angers me in general. I need to go take some. Uh, I need to go take some blood pressure medicine now. And now I am getting worked up again. I, yeah, I could hear it a little bit. You're <laughs> slipping back into that mode. Yes. Um. Yeah. I, I, this whole, <laughs> this whole situation just really upsets me. And understandably so. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm talked out about this issue, so I guess we'll move on. Unless you are not okay. talked out about it. Oh, I'm I'm done. All right. So moving on. Carrie Fisher expects to start filming Star Wars Seven in March or April. This is a rumor. Take it with a grain of salt. But Sean O'Connell reports for CinemaBlend.com while speaking with TV Guide about the upcoming Big Bang spot. She revealed that she, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford are expecting to start working on J.J. Abrams' Star Wars Episode 7 in March or April. Uh, Not only that, she elaborated on the look she hopes to sport in the sequel. She says, I'd like to wear my old cinnamon buns hairstyle again, but with white hair, I think that would be funny. (laughs) 
Uh, so obviously very much a rumor and, uh, she could just be, you know, talking and, and, and it may not come to anything, but, but that's, that's the, uh, you know, she's saying that they're going to start filming in March or April is when she expects to start filming. And that would oh, cool. be about right for the 2015 release. And I would like to see those cinnamon bun hairstyle again. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Like <laughs> that white with some silver or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be pretty funny. Uh, I did just notice, uh, side note, um, uh, see, so maybe she revealed that she, comma, Mark Hamill, no comma, and Harrison Ford. Come on, guys. Is the serial comma that hard? The Oxford comma? <laughs> I really don't understand why people don't use Oxford comma. Anyway, yeah. and I, I'm not in the habit of modifying things I copy and paste when I quote, so uh, I didn't modify it. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, uh, what are you expecting from – are you expecting to like this upcoming Star Wars movie? I am. I have confidence in Disney. You you what now? I I haven't seen any Disney films that I've really disliked recently. Of course, I didn't go see Planes. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I can tell you, I haven't seen it, but I can tell you that I would hate it. Yeah, I probably would too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's better off in Disney's hands than it is in George Lucas's. Well, that I can agree with. I, I, I guess what I, what I expect from Star Wars, um, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but that's okay. It's what we do. We talk about movies. Um, I, I guess what I expect from Star Wars Episode Seven is for it to be better than the prequels, but not as good as the originals, and certainly not as good as Empire Strikes Back, because there are there are very few movies that are that good. Right. <laughs> I can't remember where you stand on the prequels and, and the sequels and stuff. Well, I was a kid when uh, they all came out. I mean, so I was weird. even yeah, the, I was when the pre when the prequels came out. Right, when the prequels came out. I was seven years old when the first one came out, and even when the third one came out in 2007, I was only 15. You're a youngling. I am. I am a youngling. Uh, I escaped Anakin Slaughter, though, so. Well, that's good. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I-, I like the prequels well enough for what they are. They're certainly not up to standard of the original trilogy. I- I- I've got that right. Um, but I-, I-, I don't see, I mean, knock on wood... You heard it. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I don't think these uh, sequels have anywhere to go but up from the prequels. Okay. So you're saying you like the, the prequels well enough, but you don't think there's anywhere to go but up. Which is it? Uh, I'm misunderstanding something here. Maybe I wasn't very clear. Um, I like the prequels. They're decent. Maybe not the first one so much, but yeah. I expect the sequels to be better. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I will say this about the, the prequels. I think that they got better with each one. I think that uh, obviously the first one was awful, just plain awful. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduced a Jedi who I actually kind of liked. I'll admit that I liked Qui-Gon Jinn, and then they killed him in the most senseless, stupid thing that you've ever seen. Like right. it, it, They made him this great Jedi, and then they, he just got killed by a, a, a nobody. And then, and then, then his apprentice kills the Jedi that killed him. I mean, what sense does that make? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, and so of course there's that aspect. There's the whole Jar Jar aspect. There's the, the pod racing scene, which takes like 45 minutes of the movie. Um, I may be exaggerating a little, but not much, not actually not, <laughs> not a lot. In fact, I'm just right here, live on the air. How long is the pod racing scene? Pod race scene. Uh, Padre saved killermovies.com. Um, who knows if that was, nope, there's no time there. Uh, let's see. Star Wars. Uh, 
man, I wish I wish somebody would have that information for me because I want to know how long it is now. Let's just say it's long. Let's just say it's really long. <laughs> and there's deleted scenes from it too. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Oh, really? Oh, yes. No, I haven't. Oh, I, yeah. I have the saga on Blu-ray, but I, I guess I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So we should, uh, yeah. Star Wars Episode <laughs> One, terrible, terrible, terrible filmmaking. I will admit, Star Wars Episode Two is, when considered separately from the rest of the Star Wars universe, sure, it's an okay movie. I'd probably give it maybe three out of five stars. And mm-hmm. then Revenge of the Sith, I would probably give three and a half out of five. Um, I and 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 the problem with the prequels is that they they contradicted their own canon set forth in in the sequ- in in the uh first movies right they're not sequels but they came after it just doesn't oh it's just stupid just stupid it's worth noting though that revenge of the sith has a better rotten tomatoes ma- uh, rating than return of the jedi well that doesn't surprise me return of the jedi did have some issues yeah. i i ultimately personally like it better than the prequels but uh-huh. i think you were starting to already see just just hints of where lucas was going to go <laughs> he walks. Yeah. And you have to you have to remember that um Return of the Jedi was being judged in comparison to Empire Strikes Back. And and by that comparison, it's a very disappointing movie. Um uh-huh. I would rate it in between the two. There are those, of course, who rate the first two much higher than Return of the Jedi. I would rate it somewhere in between. I the the first Star Wars movie's okay. Um Empire Strikes Back is amazing, and Return of the Jedi, yeah, you know, it's it's a decent wrap up to the series. Uh-huh. So, yeah, Carrie Fisher expects to start filming Star Wars 7 in March or April. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping what you're saying you expect, which is that they'll be better than the prequels. And I want them to be a lot better than the prequels. I want Star Wars 7 to be a lot better than the prequels. And, you know, I don't expect, I don't expect it to be as good as any of the first three. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I guess, I guess my faith in J.J. Abrams is not very solid. <laughs> uh, he did f- okay on Into Darkness, and he didn't do so okay on the first Star Trek film, in my opinion. So that's kind of, I guess that's where I'm coming from on that. Right. But, um, <clears throat> did you see the link I attached to this article on the outline? Oh, no. Actually, I was going to click that, and I forgot. Uh, um, it's see. a tweet from uh, Stephen Weintraub, who runs Collider.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tweets, Mark Hamill, last May and this afternoon. Someone's been working out, almost like he has a movie coming up. I, it's, it's a before and after kind of shot of April and today. So yeah, yeah, you you uh, you must have retweeted this because I did see it, and I, I don't did. I don't follow Stephen Weintraub uh, on Twitter, so I but I did see his tweet. So that yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll I'll make sure that winds up in the show notes, which will be found at moviebyte.com/slash/mbpodcast/slash/seventy-six is where you'll find all the notes and links for this episode. But Mark Hamill looks good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as good as he can. Or better than he did in April. Yeah, for sure. He was he was he was looking pretty um rough. What's the word? Large. <laughs> Not that I have much room to say anything. I mean, I've lost weight recently, but I'm still pretty overweight. Um, yeah, so uh, but he is I mean, he's 62 years old, so. And though that's interesting. I didn't know. Google says he's 5 foot 9. I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's how tall I am. So. All right, well, let's move on uh, to Paramount ending film distribution, uh, film print distribution, let's be clear. Uh, ben Brock over at The Playlist. Over the weekend, the LA Times reported something that many had expected but hoped not to hear, the first that the first major studio, in this case Paramount, was going all digital and ending distribution of actual physical film prints. Though they didn't announce it at the time, Anchorman 2 The Legend Continues was the last Paramount film for which 35mm prints were shipped. Way to go out on a high. 
While The Wolf of Wall Street became the first all-digital affair, an irony given that Martin Scorsese is a passionate defender of old formats and old, old film stock. It also feels significant that the last physical film and the first all-digital one from the studio are about wild 1980s businesses, but it probably isn't. And this is, uh, you know what, I, I posted in my article, I has a sad, and I linked, of course, to the <laughs> Urban Dictionary of that term. Um, I, I do have mixed feelings about this, and, and, and I don't know what the man, and you may be able to give me this perspective, Chad, I don't know, and although I don't know if you're necessarily a man on the street, but you may have a different perspective from me. I come from the background of a filmmaker, and I know the differences between film and uh, digital. And and I do know. Let me let me say also something I didn't clearly delineate in my article like I want like I should have. As as is, and if you read the comments on this article, you'll see that um, I'm not. I mean, I know that there's still going to be shooting big movies on on 35 millimeter film and or or 72 millimeter or IMAX or whatever. So I know that there's that the film format is not going away for shooting. I'm, but I am talking about distribution, and you do lose a little something. In, in that, I mean, and, and but I have mixed feelings about this because a properly set up film projector will produce the highest quality possible film pro- projection, but a digital projector will produce a consistent projection, maybe not as good as a really well set up film projector that's really properly, superly sharp focused on the screen, but a digital projector will produce much, much more consistent results, which probably is better in you know, given that the teenagers manning these things probably don't care if the film projector set up right or not, I don't know. <laughs> so, but I don't know what what the regular person. I mean, they you know maybe most people think the digital's better because everything digital is always better. You know, I don't know. I mean, I like vinyl uh, albums more than I like MP3s, and I guess it's sort of along the along the same lines. Sort of. I mean, the only. To be honest, the only perspective I have on film versus digital is what I've heard from you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a lot. I know that film is supposed to be better. Um, I haven't had the chance to see the difference, or at least I don't think I have. So um, I'm going I can't to, speak definitively. I'm going to send you an article. I'm also going to put this in the show notes um, here. I'm pasting it into our uh, Google Doc chat. And I want you to click through and, and scroll down. Uh, to the first couple of images, and those are taken. Now, now this is still photography, but the, the same principles apply. This is digital photography, and this is this is theater of the mind. So let me describe what we're seeing. In this first picture that you come to on this on this page, uh, you see a photograph taken digitally of a log and a rock, and it looks like it looks to me like a piece of tin under it. it. It's not really important what it is. The important thing is that the the sun is shining very heavily on the log, and but then there's more shadowy areas over to the left of the image. Now, the place where the sun is shining, uh, as you as you start to get further to the right and up to the top of the picture, becomes more and more white until all you see is white because it's what we call, in the biz, uh, we call that blowing out. The whites are blowing out. It means that the, the camera and the uh, processor, the sensor in that digital camera is no longer able to process the color information and it's just gone all white um, as, as the uh, light has overwhelmed it. Um, and you, you know, you can take care of this by stopping down by reducing, you know, by reducing your, uh, f-stop, um, or by increasing your shutter speed. Uh, there's all manner of ways in which you can combat it, but then your shadows get darker. And the, the, the deal here, uh, and you can scroll down and see a couple more examples too, Chad. Uh, the deal uh-huh. here is that, uh, in fact, he actually has an example where he's reduced it down to where now there's shadow over the, the very last picture before he gets to the film comparisons. 
Are, are you looking at that now? Um, uh-huh. There is shadow over on the left side, so dark that it has now gone black because he stopped the f-stop down, and he's you know he's closed the iris down. But uh, over here on the right, it's still blowing out, not as badly, but it's still blowing out. Um, so this is what we call a lack of dynamic range. Digital, uh-huh. just simply by its nature and the technology that we have today, and I don't care what how much money you spend on the digital camera. I don't care if it's a red 4K camera. I don't care if it's uh, whatever they use in Hollywood these days. I have no idea. I mean, I know red is a pretty big camera. I don't know if they're using reds on, on motion pictures because there are some that are shot digitally. But uh-huh. I don't. it doesn't matter how much you spend. This is still going to be a problem. This is a problem with digital sensors and the way digital sensors handle light. And um, so, yeah, the, the, the digital cameras have a less dynamic range than film. They, re, they restore less color information than 35-millimeter prints do. Uh, and, and they just have a, a more uh, clinical kind of a look to them in general. It's, it's a subtle thing, but it's there. I mean, you can compose the exact same shot with a digital camera, and then you can compose the exact same shot with a film camera, and you will get a more pleasing picture with the film camera. So now scroll down uh, to the next one. Now compare with film on a camera, 35-millimeter film SLR. The same uh-huh. exact shot. Film has much better dynamic range. It is able to handle a large uh, gamut of color much better. You can scroll down to the second shot, and you can see that, yes, there's more. There's still a lot of shadow, but you can see detail in the shadow, and the log is not blowing out. Um, and, uh, you know, all this is on 35-millimeter still cameras. So... Uh, that is me being long-winded on a subject that I'm <laughs> passionate about. Uh, I, I am very passionate about this subject. I never had, I've never had the opportunity in my film career. Uh, I'm a web developer now, but I was a filmmaker for eight years. I never had the opportunity to personally shoot a film ca- on a film camera. Uh, I was in the studio with a film camera, but because I was not a cinematographer, I was an editor. Uh, and I, my cinematography skills are not necessarily what they should have been to operate a film camera. We had a cinematographer doing that. It was an, it was cool. It was very cool, and the, the film looks so good. It looks so good. So uh, I'm a, I am a proponent of 35 millimeter film. Well, there's definitely a difference. So I, I can attest to that. Yep. Just based on these pictures. So I mean, it's kind of sad that they're not going to be shipping it, but at least they haven't weeded out. Um, filming on it just yet yeah and i think i think eventually that will come just and, and here's why i mean i mentioned that i've never shot on 35 millimeter film most of the projects at the small film company i was at was shot digitally and the reason for that is we were always a small film company we were always on a tight budget and it's a lot cheaper to shoot digitally and with the cameras that we were using we had some pretty good cameras uh that, that got pretty good pictures i mean and frankly they're better than than pictures that could have been taken with uh comparable cameras 20 15 20 years ago that were film cameras right so i mean the the we are getting better quality for less money now but ultimately um i'm glad that feature films many feature films now some like um for instance uh, total recall was shot digitally the the new one and it, you know what it's like it's not like i won't go see a film that's that's shot digitally it was it was fine it looked okay i could tell it was digital but it looked okay um, but I'm glad that most of your big budget films are still shot on 35 millimeter films. The, the Star Wars prequels being the big exceptions, of course. Um, right. so most of your big, big budget Hollywood features are shot on 35 millimeter film still. And, and there's another aspect I haven't talked about yet, Chad, which is that we're scanning, uh, we're, you know, with, with our current scanner scanning in film, we're, we're scanning them at higher and higher resolutions and the film still holds up. We're still scanning them at resolutions at which the film is able to produce. I mean, cool. so 
Right. So my point is when you when you shoot something at, say, 1080p or 4K, it's never going to be any better quality than that. But with film, we're able to get better and better quality out of it because the information has been captured on that film and we still haven't maxed out that capacity. Huh. Yeah, and so I I am a big proponent of film. I, th- all this rambling and long-winded <laughs> nonsense. I mean, obviously this is this is why I run a site called Movie Bite. This is why I have a podcast on movies. I'm I'm a big fan and I I you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of 35mm film. And this is not me being a luddite. You you mentioned um you mentioned the MP3 versus vinyl thing. And right. st- strangely enough, uh, I, I guess I, I I mean, I like music. I love music. Um but I guess I'm not an audiophile because, frankly, the the benefits of MP3 and, and iTunes library management uh, outweigh trying to uh, trying to keep up with a vinyl collection. And in in I, I I'm a, I'm sorry I don't have a, a vinyl record player in my car uh, or in my <laughs> pocket with my iPhone uh, or at work right. on my computer. So MP3s trump. Uh, they really do. The, I, and most of my stuff actually is actually M4A, the iTunes uh, audio format. But yeah, so I get what you're saying because I'm the same way about film, but uh, <laughs> sorry when it comes to audio. So, so so the point is I'm not a complete technology Luddite. Like I'm all for modern technology. I like to have my films digitally um, more than I like – I mean I'm talking about as files more than I like having a Blu-ray or a uh, or a DVD around. So Right. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. I don't know. Well, that makes sense. I mean – I, I definitely get where you're coming from. All right. Well, uh, before we talk about Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit, let's talk about the Oscar nominees. This is something you want to talk about, Chad. So why don't, why don't you tell us about this? Why don't you tell us wh- why you wanted to talk about the Oscar nominees for 2014? Okay. Well, there's only one award show that I ha- I, I want to I say have, but know that it's not like a physiological need. I have to watch the Oscars <laughs> every year. Um, you need it like and- you need water or air. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, I will take a moment to brag. Last year, I predicted 19 out of 24 awards correctly. Um, so I, I like to go see all the movies. I like to make my guesses. I like to watch the awards show, see what happens. Um, and so I'm excited for the awards to come again this year. March 2nd, I believe, is the date. And uh, just this past Thursday, I believe, they announced all the nominees for this year. And um, what would you say, TJ? I think most of these are pretty much what we expected. Yeah, I would say they're definitely all what I expected, except for one I've never heard of, which I, I hope I don't get flack for this, which is Nebraska. I hadn't heard of that one before. I've heard of it. I, I, I haven't seen it. I think it was a pretty small film relatively compared to all these others. Um, but I have heard of it and yeah. I've heard Bruce Dern and it is incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's nominated for best actor. Bruce Dern. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so best picture: American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Do you know? I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I thought I heard from some somebody that Philomena was not correct, but I really don't know. Uh, Twelve Years a Slave and The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, none of these are surprises to me. I wish I had time to see every single one of these, except for The Wolf of Wall Street, which I refuse to see on moral grounds. Um, uh, I will probably try to see American Hustle. When 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 is the uh, when is the award show? I think it's March 2nd. Yeah. I'll probably have time to see it before then. I, I want to see her. It looks kind of weird to me, but at the same time, it looks kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the best one I've seen on out of this list that I've seen is uh, Gravity. I feel like 12 Years a Slave could edge it out for me if I would if I would get my butt in gear and go see it. Uh-huh. Um, 
but yeah, I, I feel like, um, I, but, but I don't know as far as predicting one of these and it's hard since I haven't seen all of them. Right. Um, and I feel like for some reason the Wolf of Wall Street has a lot of buzz and, and there's certainly no, there's certainly no middle ground on the Wolf of Wall Street. People either love, either love it or hate it. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I think, I mean, I, I can't speak too definitively on it because I've only seen three of the best picture nominees <laughs> so far. Um, I think that best picture is split three ways between gravity, 12 years of slave and Wolf of wall street. If I had to pick a guess right now, it'd be one of those three. Um, yeah, I, think I don't you're know. Probably right. Possibly. I don't Captain know which Phillips way it's going to go edging in there, but maybe, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if there was a little too much, uh, possibility that it's not really entirely accurate. I don't know. I don't know if that factors maybe. in at all. Well, you have to realize of those three films I just mentioned, all of them are uh, based on historical events and real people. Yeah, except, obviously, except for Gravity. Oh, well, right. And, That's and, not – never mind. I, I kind of wonder about Gravity though because I, I've, I've heard a little bit too much buzz about how simplistic the plot is, which I actually like that about Gravity. Uh-huh. But at the same time, people are like, well, wish it had a better plot or something. I don't know. So. I could definitely see Alfonso Cuaron getting best director for Gravity. I don't know if it'll get best picture though. Yeah. All right. So actor in a leading role, uh, up for uh, nominated is uh, Christian Bale, Bruce Dern, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I should have mentioned the films they were in: Christian Bale, American Hustle, Bruce Dern, Nebraska, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Chuetel Ejio 4, I'm probably butchering that name, 12 Years a Slave, and Matthew McConaughey, Dallas Buyers Club. Do you have a prediction, sir? It's either going to go to Chuetel Ejio 4 for 12 Years a Slave or, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I, I, if, I, if I had to pick, I think it would go to uh, Chuetel Ejio 4. Yeah, I think you're probably um, right. I, I I will say this. The clips that I've seen of Leonardo DiCaprio and The Wolf of Wall Street are just amazing. And having recently watched um, The Aviator, uh, knowing the previous roles that he's been in that I've seen, he, I mean, I'm sure he did wonderful. As far as an actor in a leading role, I'm sure he put his entire heart into it. But I feel like 12 Years a Slave probably has a lot of momentum there for Chuetel Ejio 4. Yeah, so. and it, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens because uh, DiCaprio hasn't ever won an Oscar. So... We'll see what happens. It seems that almost seems like a crime. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's if you look around like Tumblr or sites like that, you'll see people talking about uh, DiCaprio not winning awards all the time, and they've they've got these funny reaction gifs of him uh, at award ceremonies with his name not being announced, and it's kind of really depressing, but it's really funny too. Yeah, it 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 seems weird. Uh, and having recently watched, um, uh, what was that movie I just mentioned? Uh, the aviator. I mean, how, how could he not have been won an, an award for that? I mean, that it was phenomenal. Wow. So, um, all right. So actress in a leading role, Amy Adams in American in American hustle, Kate Blanchett in blue Jasmine, uh, Sandra Bullock in gravity, Judy Dench in Philomena and Meryl Streep in August, Osage, Osage, Osage County. I have no idea. I think it is Osage. Yeah. Osage County. I should know this, but it's an interesting phenomenon. I was uh, homeschooled for um, most of my life. I went through fourth grade in a private school, and then I was homeschooled. And you tend to be more – I mean, I mean, it's almost an indisputable fact. Homeschoolers tend to get a better ed- education 
but they tend not to hear the words they read spoken out loud. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so uh, that, that that's where my lack of being able to pronounce things come from. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, do you have any predictions for actress in leading role? I know, like like Gravity is the only one I've seen in this one. In this, yeah, list. I mean, I can almost confidently say Sandra Bullock won't win. Um, you see, you say she won't. She won't. Why is I that? Think, I don't know. I I think that these other, while I loved Gravity, and I think that Sandra Bullock did a fantastic job in it, and there's lots of emotional weight in that role, I think that all these other roles, except for maybe Amy Adams in American Hustle, uh, might be weightier, or they're with uh, actresses who are more known for their dramatic roles. Um like I, I don't know though because I, I've only seen Gravity out of this list, so I can't speak definitively right, on that either. Right. Um, you know, last year I made it a point to see every single nominee of uh, uh, Best Picture nominee, so I, I knew uh, going into my predictions pretty well what my thoughts and everything were, and I'll, I'll get there eventually. But right now, I've only seen three. Right. Uh, so I, I've, I've got a ways to go. I have to say, on the one hand, I was kind of surprised that Jennifer Lawrence didn't didn't land some sort of thing in here for actress in a leading or actress in a supporting role. Am I? I don't remember seeing her name. Oh no, I'm sorry. There she is. Ah, jeez. Yeah. All right, never mind. <laughs> it's uh, worth noting that American Hustle has an actor or actress in every actor category. That's interesting. Yeah. So actor in a supporting role, and and oh, by the way, I haven't heard as much buzz about it this year. It's been it's definitely been interesting. Uh, people talking about. Um, why why the dis, uh, disparity between actor and actress still, but yet at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, we have two awards and two categories. I, I don't know. So it's interesting. I haven't heard that this year, but last year it was a big thing. I don't know if you remember. Mm. Um, actor in a supporting role. Uh, Barkad Abdi in Captain Phillips. Bradley Cooper in American Hustle. Michael Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave. Jonah Hill in The Wolf of Wall Street. And Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club. Care to make a prediction, sir? Barkat Abdi was pretty awesome in Captain Phillips. He was the head pirate. Um, yep. But on the same token, Michael Fassbender was great in 12 Years a Slave. Um, and I haven't seen any of the others. So it, it's it's a difficult call to make at this point. Yeah. And, and I have no predictions here. Actors yeah. in a supporting role. Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine. Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle. Lapita. Nyong'o in 12 Years a Slave, uh, Julia Roberts in August of Sage County, and June Squibb in Nebraska. I would really like to see Lupita Nyong'o walk away with this one. Is that she how you say is, that? Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, man, she is phenomenal in 12 Years a Slave, and her uh, performance will like rip your heart out, just as a warning. <laughs> but she she is great. And I think she stands a really good chance. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is a crowd favorite, though, so I don't know if that'll have a whole lot of influence. Um, but I'm hoping 12 Years a Slave wins this one. Okay, animated feature film. There, There is a crime here in this list. Let's see if you know what it is. I know what it is. Animated feature film. The Croods, uh, Despicable Me 2, Ernest and Celestine, Frozen, and The Wind Rises. And Monsters University is not nominated. What is up with that? What is uh, up with that? I don't know. It, it was far better than Despicable Me 2, at least. As me, as much as I enjoy Despicable Me 2, uh, Monsters University, I recently rewatched it because I got it on Blu-ray for my birthday. And uh, I loved it even more than I, uh, than I did when I saw it in theaters. 
Monsters University was fantastic, and I would I would very much agree. Way better than Despicable Me Two. I I wanted to see the Croods. I expected I would like it okay, but I I it can almost I can say almost without a doubt that it was better than the Croods. And mm-hmm. I don't know for sure about Frozen. I've heard really good things about that. I guarantee you that Monsters University is better than Despicable Me Two or the Croods. So surely it should have been on this list. I mean, what's wrong? What what's going on here? This this feels like a snub. <laughs> like like somebody uh, had it out for for them. Like like I don't think. I don't think you can have a conversation about the Oscars without somebody bringing up the word snub. Well, I mean, this, this feels pretty obvious. Like somebody said, somebody <laughs> no, said Pixar is not being nominated. We're, they're out. They're out of the running. Not going to happen. <laughs> uh, that's what it feels like. It's just weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't heard of these other two, uh, Ernest and Celestine and no. The Wind Rises. No. Uh, the Wind Rises, though, uh, it's directed by Hayao Miyazaki, who's the same guy who did uh, Spirited Away which I do believe won Best Animated Feature um, when it was released. So I, I I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm sure with his reputation, I think he's got a pretty long string of successes. Um, otherwise, I would give it to Frozen. Yeah, I don't know. I need to see Frozen before I can make that determination. I just know that it, it, it's the crime of the year that Monsters University is not has not been nominated. <laughs> crime of the year. That's just all there is to it. <clears throat> okay, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, shall we talk about Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit? Yes, let's. Before we dive in uh, too far into Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, uh, let's mention this article that the younger audience gives Jack Ryan the cold shoulder. According to Pamela McClintock over at The Hollywood Reporter, the fate of Paramount's marquee spy franchise has been thrown into question following the soft debut of Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit at the North American box office, where the action thriller failed to connect with younger audiences unfamiliar with author Tom Clancy's iconic character. Director Kenneth Branagh's reboot starring 33-year-old actor Chris Pine and in a bid to relaunch the series opened to a soft $18 million over the long Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. More than a third of the audience was over the age of 50, while only 15% was under the age of 25. Only 15%, Chad! According to exit polling service Cinema Score, all told, 63% of the audience was over the age of 35. They were older than I am. That is wow. really not good. That is not good demo- <laughs> that is not good demographics for a, a movie like this. No. That is really bad. <laughs> I I seriously doubt unless somehow some way the overseas sales save this film and I don't see it. Um, I don't see that happening unless that happens though. I don't see another Jack Ryan movie in our future. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, not with this I, cast. When you posted this link the other day, uh, I responded and I said, uh, when I saw this the other night, the film, um, I was in a theater with only a handful of people, but all of those people were middle-aged. I don't know for sure because I wasn't really paying attention to that aspect when I was in the theater. But as I think back about it, I think that's probably correct. I, I think that I may have been the youngest person in the theater. I'm, I'm, I'm visually, I'm mentally going back and, and thinking about the people that I was seeing in the theater. And I think they were all probably my age or older. I don't think there was anybody younger than me. And that's that's just not good. Um, yeah. I'm, it's I'm, kind of interesting yeah. that uh, Chris Pine didn't have a little more appeal than that. That is very interesting. I mean, he's really a, a big thing right now, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, he just wasn't able to bring the crowd out to the theater. I think that for some reason, uh, Tom Clancy is kind of classified uh, in in a, in a way that makes him inaccessible uh, to youngsters these days. 
uh-huh. and uh, I think that hurt the film. Even though the movie isn't is, isn't uh, a uh, uh, based on any of his books directly, it is based on his characters, and his name is attached to it. And I think uh-huh. that uh, kids such as yourself <laughs> just aren't drawn to the movie. I guess that's that's the only. I mean, I just feel like there must be. I think there may be some stigma associated with Tom Clancy. I don't know. Maybe the idea of a more military action thriller, uh, which I think most of Clancy's books fall into that category, is just a little old fashioned. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I probably would not have seen this film if we uh, were not talking about it. On see, here. see, but, um, see what I mean? I would have gone. I, I, you could. You would. You'd have to have uh, undomesticated equines to keep me away from from this uh, wild horses. Film. Uh, <laughs> you would have. You would have had to have wild horses to keep me away from this film. I, I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna see it, even though I was expecting to be disappointed by it, and I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I might be. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, but but because I'm a fan, I'm a fan of the uh, Tom Clancy films. So let's uh, let's dive in here. Um, it opened in theaters on January seventeenth, two thousand fourteen. It had a budget of sixty million dollars. It opened to the tune of fifteen point four million domestically, and the total worldwide gross was forty two point five million. Um, Rotten Tomatoes says it doesn't reinvent the action thriller wheel, but Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit offers a sleek, reasonably diverting reboot of a long dormant franchise. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, writers Adam Kozad and David uh, K. K O E P P. Why do people have to have seriously? Why cap. do cap? Why do people have to have names that are unpronounceable, unspellable? <laughs> um, so obviously, the film was based on the characters created by the Tom Clancy novel series. It stars Chris Pine, Kira Knightley, Kevin Costner, and Kenneth Branagh, who of course also directed directed music by the infamous Patrick Doyle. You only say infamous because you don't like his music for I, Goblet of Fire. I hate his music for Goblet of Fire. I despise <laughs> Which I it. Agree. I despise it with the uh, heat of a thousand burning suns, burning fiery <laughs> passion. Do I despise his scoring of of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire? It is the worst score in the Harry Potter franchise. I, I completely agree, but his other work that I'm that I've heard is a lot better, and I, I liked what I heard here. Did you well. watch Aragon? Yes, I did not say please, all of his works. Okay, please tell me you didn't like his score for Aragon, or we can no longer do this podcast together. <laughs> I, I did not. Okay, it was awful. It was horrible. <laughs> these two, I will admit, these two things color my perception of Patrick Doyle, but I have never heard anything from Patrick Doyle that I thought was t- knocking my socks off. Well, I'm digging something up to show you, uh, and then you can withhold judgment, or you can, I don't know, but... Uh, his score for Rise of the Planet of the Apes was really, really good. Okay. Um, okay, whatever. <laughs> Can you, Chad, enlighten us as to what kind of story this film had in store for us? Yes. To his friends and loved ones, young Jack Ryan appears to be an ordinary executive. However, he has secretly worked for the CIA for years. Ryan was originally brought in to crunch global data, but when he uncovers a carefully planned scheme to crash the U.S. economy and spark global chaos, he becomes the only man with the skills to stop it. Now a full operative, Ryan finds himself caught between his secretive handler, his clueless fiancé, and a brilliant Russian leader. Ooh, Ooh. spy music. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't, where do you start with this film? 
um, I was expecting to be disappointed by this film, even though I was excited to see it. I mean, I'm as I mentioned at the outset, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Jack Ryan films. Um, the Hunt for Red October, I think, is obviously the best thing in this franchise. It was the first to come along, and it stars a very young and wet behind the ears Alec Baldwin, um, <laughs> uh, who I can't stand now. But at that time, uh, I don't think there was a lot of stigma attached with him, and um, I don't think he was known for being obnoxious, for instance. And uh, <laughs> he, he, he did quite well in the role, I thought. Um, you had um, James Earl Jones as Admiral Greer. Uh, I mean, and you had, of course, Sean Connery as uh, the captain of of the Red October. It was just it was an it was an incredibly well done film, uh, especially for the time in which it was made. I mean, just incredibly well done. Really loved that film. The Harrison Ford films were a little bit slow moving, but I like them fine as well. And then you had um, and I believe it was a fi- not a financial success, but you had Ben Affleck come along and take over the franchise uh, as Jack Ryan with the sum of all fears, which I liked that movie. So, uh-huh. but but then, so the the franchise has been dormant since then. That was in two thousand two, and uh, so of course they're trying to reboot it with with Chris Pine here. And uh, so I was excited. I came into it going, okay, um, I hope it's better than I think it's going to be. Um, especially when they moved it to a January release, I was like, oh no. But but yeah, it's <laughs> like um, I'm I'm definitely gonna go see it, even with the trailers showing me that hey, this is not the Jack Ryan that you remember, which was disappointing. Uh, but the, you know, I don't know. We're, you, 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 you just weren't that excited about the film, huh? I, I haven't seen the other, uh, Jack Ryan movies. I got no, no, okay. one Rem- of them. Remember when I said that the crime of the year was that monsters university has not been nominated <laughs> for an Oscar. Do you remember when I said that? I, I do remember you okay, saying that. I take it back. The crime of the year. No, no, no. The crime of the century is that <laughs> you have not seen any of the previous Jack Ryan films. Certainly the it's a, the biggest crime is that you have not seen the hunt for red october this is unacceptable this is it's unacceptable a, it's a, this, inexcusable this is a thing, CJ. i i am providing a differing perspective from yours <laughs> you cannot have a proper perspective like without having seen these films <laughs> i i suppose i got patriot games for christmas and i just haven't watched it yet uh, i wouldn't start there but sure it's fine eh. i would definitely watch the hunt for red october i would like to and i will <sighs> I just can't even go on. I mean, we're just going to stop the show. We, we've got to stop the show. I mean, that's I, it, I can't. Folks. That's it. That's all. That's all it is. Going to take a break and watch a movie. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, <laughs> you approached this film with absolutely no knowledge. Right. Um, I knew he was supposed to be an analyst and he wasn't. Yeah. And that's so. that's how you approach the film. It's just you didn't know <laughs> So what did you think? I liked it. I mean, I didn't love it, but it it was fun uh, for what it's supposed to be. It was one of those action films. It, it had lots of silly stuff in it, um, but Chris Pine is likable here. He, he does a great job, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I have other stuff to say, but we can save that for the actual discussion. Okay. Well, you mean we're not having a discussion now? We are, okay. <laughs> but I thought you were just asking for initial thoughts. Oh, uh, sure. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was a refreshing origin story in, in this respect. Um, it did not burden us with the origin story. It didn't it, – it wasn't like um, filled with boring details. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like it, it, it took its time to get Jack Ryan to the point where he needed to be. It didn't feel like, – like 
when when I say refreshing origin story, I'm specifically thinking back to uh, Star Trek, the the reboot uh, that J.J. Abrams did. It, it felt kind of tedious. It felt like, you know what? We're we're spending too much time in this origin stuff, and we're not telling any part of a real story here. I mean, it just felt like the entire thing was a setup for the next movie. This film didn't feel that way at all. And in that way, um, I was very happy. Um, I think that everything, in some ways, the things that Branagh got wrong when with his directorial efforts on Thor, uh, <laughs> he got much. He did much better on this go round. I I thought. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I like Thor, I think, more than I like this. Um, but I don't think it's direction. Yeah, okay. I, I, I guess I could say I think I've rated Thor three and a half and I only rated this three stars. I guess I can understand that statement that, that Thor you like better than this film. I, I would say the same thing. I just – as far as directorial vision, as far as telling an origin story, I think this film does it better. Um, right. You know, the, the, just for instance, some some of the relational difficulties that Jack and Kathy experience, we learn about kind of as we need to in the past tense. We don't have to go through it and then let it come to fruition. We don't have to sit through that. You know, we don't have to go through a couple of years of them having relational tension. It, it, it's told, excuse me, it's told briefly and quickly and and established, and we move on. Uh-huh. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. I, right. I, I feel like origin stories are usually overburdened with information we don't need and we don't care about. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Chris Pine, I thought, made a reasonable Jack Ryan. I, I frankly didn't think he was quite as good as Alec Baldwin uh, in <laughs> in The Hunt for Red October. Um, but uh, I think he did fine. I think he, um, you know, I think he he brought something to the character we haven't seen yet, for sure. Um. I don't know. What, uh-huh. what, what did you think? Uh, uh, just about Chris Pine. Sure. He was fun. Um, I, I just have in my notes that he was great. I, I thought that he did a good job of bringing, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain the scene with him sneaking out of the dinner. I thought that was lots of fun. Um, yes. He did a good job of playing the fool. That's, that's um, definitely the sort of thing. I'm, he was able to bring the serious side of the character pretty easily too. Right. That that dinner and where he plays the drunk and the fool in order to get out of there and and right. do what he needs to do. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. That he he did bring something to the character nobody else has. We've never saw that sort of thing from a Jack Ryan actor before. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it was actually a pretty good bit of acting. Now, what wasn't good acting? Even though I enjoyed Keira Knightley just fine in the role. Man, her American accent was awful, wasn't it? It was so strange. Yeah. Because I haven't seen her in anything with an American In fact, I don't think I've seen her in anything outside of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. And uh, so it was just really strange hearing her go from Miss Elizabeth Swan right, to exactly. uh, this weird, almost, I don't know, her accent was weird. Well, and, and, and it's the sort of thing – this is why I say it was not believable in the slightest because I've certainly had an – I've experienced this with certain actors where you've heard their natural accent or maybe you even thought it was their natural accent and then you hear them in another context and you go, wow, I didn't realize. But it's not like uh, – um, for instance, um, uh, uh, what's the guy who plays Thor? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. You cannot tell what his native accent is when he's in a in in a uh, in, in the role of Thor, for instance. You can't uh-huh. tell it, but when you hear him in an interview, you go, "Wow, I didn't realize he was Australian." Right, <laughs> and, that, and that's sort of thing. With Keira Knightley, 
you go, wow, she, I don't know what accent exactly she's trying to cover, but she's covering some sort of accent. That's not working. It almost sounds like just the the typical, stereotypical American accent. Like, I she sounded like how I'd imagine the rest of the world pictures American sounding. Yes, like, yes. Like the way New Yorkers picture Texans sounding or the way Texans picture New Yorkers sounding. And may, you know, maybe that was the problem with her accent is it didn't sound specific to anywhere. Right, like it's for, just the typical blanket America. Accent. Right, it, like for instance, I'm I'm sure when you hear me talk, you go, "Oh, he's from the Midwest. He's from the Midwest. I can hear it." When I hear somebody from California talking, I say, "Yeah, you know what? They're from they're probably from California. I can hear." It. And 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 some I will say some places are stronger than others. When you hear somebody from North Dakota, you know, for instance, <laughs> I mean, uh, you can tell that they're that they're or, or Michigan, you know, or some, somewhere. I mean. Or, or certainly the South, you know, especially like right. uh, Georgia or, or Louisiana or something, you know. Do I sound like a super Texas guy? And see, that's the thing. I think Texas is a little more bland. I don't think you usually pick up on it as much. I don't know. Okay. I could be wrong. I, 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 I would just place you, categorize you as normal American accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, that sounded a little Texan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I, maybe maybe that was that's all that's to say. Maybe that was the problem with Kira Knightley's accent is it didn't sound like it was from anywhere, and right. and you know it had like flavors of things that were disparate, um, that that didn't belong. I, I don't know, and 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 I could hear a hint of the British in there as right. well. <laughs> so it was just very odd, and it's just like why not just it, you know if she's having that much trouble getting the accent right. Why not just let her be British that, and she migrated to the United States or something? Yeah, I mean, he meets her in London, right? Yeah. Well, um, I think. No, because I that's know. Where he's doing, that's where he's doing therapy. I mean, it's possible. And it could like it could have easily been modified. Like that, this, yeah. uh, we're harping on such a small little thing because it didn't really affect the movie <laughs> at all. But it, it was just like, whoa, Kira Knightley's American. Oh, wait, no, not really. She's not. Hmm, that's weird. Oh, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> Right. Uh, that 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 was my thing through the whole thing. But anyway, I mean, other than that, I mean, Kira Knightley did great. I mean, her performance uh, was also very good, especially in the scene scene that we can't talk about yet because we're not talking about spoilers right now. Um, she she was pretty good too. I I was not I was not unhappy with her performance. Yeah, and I think of course, obviously, the spotlight stealing performance is Kenneth Branagh. Um, who really? Oh, you didn't like him. I, I have mixed feelings. Do you want okay. me to talk about that now? Yeah, go ahead. I keep going back and forth. I, I liked the sort of just like, I am Russian. I am stoic. I have no emotion kind of character that he played. You American like to think of yourself as direct. Perhaps you are right. just rude. Right. And <laughs> so I, I liked that. But a lot of the times it almost seemed more flat than uh, stoic Russian hmm. hardcore guy. I, I didn't get that uh, at all. It just was back and forth for me. I mean, I liked Kenneth Branagh. I, I I like him. I like him as an actor. I liked him as Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, I, I liked that's, him that's exactly where I go. When I think of Kenneth Branagh now, irrevocably in my mind, I think of uh, Gilderoy Lockhart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I mean, I did like him. I did not think that he was the spotlight of the film. I think if anybody was a spotlight, it was Chris Pine. Um, yeah, I, I said again, spotlight that, stealing. I didn't say that he was in the spotlight. Just oh, that okay. that when he was, his scenes tended to to attract attention. That's fair. Yeah, good point. Um, but uh, that, that's my thoughts on Kenneth Brown. I, I liked him, but uh, at times he did seem just a little flat. Like 
trying to play Russian stoic. Yeah, I didn't just get that. Instead, not showing emotion. Period. Huh. And I didn't get that at all. So I thought he, I yeah. thought he pulled it off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um. Yeah. So yeah. I. I. You know. There you go. Two different opinions on this one. Uh. Kenneth Branagh. I thought was great. Um. So, um, one, one of the things I wanted to talk about, though, is one of the podcasts I listened to that have already talked about this film, uh, no, sorry, we're late getting it out, ours out, but yeah, so one of the podcasts I listened to talking about this film, um, they talked about how they liked The Born Legacy better than this film. I'm not sure what prompted that comparison, but let me just say, no, that's insane. That's <laughs> stupid. The Born Legacy. I don't even ever want to think about that film ever again. It was awful. Um, <sighs> to be fair, though. I'm I'm just spitballing. Would it would our reaction just now that reaction we both just had would it be because <laughs> uh, the Born Legacy is supposed to be a sequel to a uh, cohesive singular trilogy? No, not mine. And which is excellent. Uh, let me finish that. That it, 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 an excellent cohesive trilogy, and this is not. It's it, it's a sort of spinoff. It's not a spinoff. It's a sort of reboot to to existing Jack Ryan movies. Uh, same character, but they aren't cohesive in that they're not necessarily sequels to each other. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense. It's not the reason uh, I dislike our, the film. Right. Uh, I'm just saying our our reaction to the Born Legacy could be it. It might not uh, be because we both love the original trilogy and it did not compare remotely. Whereas this one is more of a standalone. We don't have an excellent Jack Ryan trilogy to compare it to. Although um, I know that the older Jack Ryan movies are supposed to be better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that every one of the previous movies is better than this film. Um, okay. But yeah, as far as, as um, Born Legacy, no. I mean, the reasons I don't like Born Legacy really have nothing to do with that. Although I think no matter what that aspect would have played into my opinion, had Born Legacy been a good film. However, right. my reasons for disliking the Born Legacy are solely based on the story. Solely based on the story. The story okay. is terrible. It, okay. it just doesn't work. No, nothing I, I, about I, the story works. I completely agree. I was just spitballing to see if that was even a possibility. Yeah. But uh, I think we're both agreed that Born Legacy was just pretty bad. Yeah, it, it was just a bad film. Like even if it, <laughs> nothing had come before, it was just a bad film. So I don't agree with that analysis at all. That that was on okay, the slash. We got film that squared cast. away. Though. Yeah, we, that was on the slash film cast, by the way. Um. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> uh, okay. Hmm. All right. Um. I. I really. Even though. And this is one of the things about mediocre films that that were maybe just slightly above mediocre. It's hard to talk about them. Like it is. I really have nothing else to say about this film other than it, it, on the on uh, on the positive side. Other than yeah. I mean, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I just have a couple. Uh, the biggest thing I noticed during the film was silly overreactions. Like Kira Knightley's character. I found a movie ticket in his pocket. He must be cheating on me. Sure. Or, no, that, that was certainly or, uh, an issue. Or when he first uh, arrives in Russia and his driver says, or he, he says like probably a well-known, not well-known to me, obviously, but a well-known Russian phrase, like a typical greeting. And the guy's like, oh, I am impressed, impressed by a Russian. Uh, and then there's one other instance that I wrote down 
when he first visits Kenneth Branagh's office and he sees that po- uh, that uh, painting of Napoleon on the wall, which is a very well-known painting. And he, uh, Chris Pine points it out. Jack Ryan points it out. And he's like, oh, I am impressed with your knowledge. You know your history. And <laughs> it just seemed like there were there were lots of silly reactions like that where like yeah although that one last one you mentioned happens that doesn't mean anything whatsoever and they draw lots of attention to it because they were trying to set something up later yeah that that one you mentioned though the last one about the painting I, I took that more as patronizing than I did anything else like oh, oh. you really know your history <laughs> yeah right I that, guess I was just on that sort of mindset you could be, yeah and so I, I I can appreciate that interpretation and that works for me. Yeah, that was. But the movie ticket one was just the most ridiculous. Oh, I agree about the movie ticket. It was like, <laughs> what? Seriously? Come on. Yeah, I found a movie ticket in his pocket. Let me let me surreptitiously ask him if you'd like to see a movie this weekend. Oh, let's see if he would you would, would you want to see the movie that you just saw? Let me ask that one. Oh, <laughs> did you didn't you already see it? No. Oh, I found a movie ticket in your pocket. You're cheating on me. Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> it was such a roundabout way. Yeah. of trying to get to the bottom of that, and it was so. Just silly is the best word I th- can think of to describe that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, aside from that, I, I did like the movie. I just thought there was there were little things like that that yeah. took it down. Yeah, so so I really have nothing to add in the positive side of the category. I do have some negatives, though, and that's the thing. Like, And this is why I, I really weighed – in fact, originally when I when I walked out of the theater, I had rated it three and a half, and I, I, I ended up dropping it down to three after I was writing my review because I'm like, it, you know, I found there's a lot to not like about this film. Uh-huh. Uh, the first thing on my list is that it was hard to follow. I mean – um, one of the downsides of the fast pace was just this. I mean, I'm, I'm still fit, a bit fuzzy on how everything fit together. Um, uh-huh. how how in the world was Jack Ryan able to slip into that high security facility again, where uh, somebody, a guard, <laughs> saw his face and it was not the right face, and yet they let him in? I, I don't even get it. What I assumed that was their that was the CIA infiltrating. Yeah, but they didn't like, make that very clear. I suppose. I, I don't know. I saw like a knowing glance shift between the two of them. Like, yeah, you got this right. Yeah, I got you. You can slip on through. I guess I, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get that at all. That's what I got. But yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I may have missed. I'm not saying I've never missed plot details before, but I, that that one apparently blew by so fast. Um, I, it, it's unclear to me exactly what Jack Ryan's role was in the CIA, and and and. How and then all this is so, so like wait he's an analyst no now 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 you're activated I, what oh, right. I, I don't even get it like how does that work it it was strange how he got into that situation and I I didn't understand the setup where uh, he discovered hidden bank accounts and so he had to fly to Russia to figure out the secret behind the hidden oh, yeah. bank accounts was, and then he the comes to this generalization that just came out of nowhere or this not generalization this uh, conclusion out of nowhere that oh wow these hidden bank accounts must mean that he's about to cause a second great depression yeah th- th- that that whole bit that analysis didn't work at all for me yeah it was it was pretty but, terrible you know i think the best parts about this film were just chris pine um being or the interactions between chris pine and kenneth bernard i i, I didn't mind the the well i did mind the plot inconsistencies like those but uh where this movie I think excelled was the sort of action scenes. And just once we got into the meat of it and we were seeing him do what he was best at what he did, 
that didn't ma- not make sense. That was not English, but you know what I mean? When, when we got to see Jack Ryan being Jack Ryan, uh, that's when this movie got at its best. Yeah. Yeah. I don't completely disagree. Um, all right. I do have some things to talk about that are spoilers. Do you want to go ahead and talk about those? Let's do it. All right. Spoiler warning. Uh, here there be dragons, you know, spoilers ahead, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Um, I think for me, the biggest disappointment in this film is that it lacked mystery and it was mystery that we were promised. It was implied mystery in the trailers that that in the trailers, they kind of represented this thing where who is the bad guy? Is it perhaps the 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 boss man, uh, Kevin Costner, dude, is is, is he the bad guy? And they, and they show in the trailer, you know, he's looking at Chris Pine through the scopes and then he says, you never know who you can trust, Jack, and and, and that sort of thing, right? And so they've got uh-huh. this – this trailer is indicating, well, maybe it's him. But then the trailer also indicates with this – in this weird way, that, oh, no, maybe it's Kathy. Maybe she's the bad guy. Maybe she's pulling the strings behind the Russian dude. you know? Or is it the Russian dude? Well, that seems too easy. I mean – and as it turns <laughs> out, I mean it, it just the, – the, the movie was just really clear cut. From the beginning, there was no mystery. There was nothing there. It was just like – very straightforward, and that, that to me was very disappointing, and it's not the way Jack Ryan has ever been before. Did we ever figure out why he was called a shadow recruit, or is it just because he was activated even though it wasn't the plan? Okay, did you not see the scene where he was in the shadows and he got recruited? Oh, I, I completely <laughs> missed that. Crap. I need to go back and see this again. <laughs> Man, how could I miss such an incredible uh, detail? <laughs> yeah so yeah um it, it's a pretty poorly named film too yeah you're yeah. right um yeah I, I mean so we were promised all this mystery and and as it turns out there is no mystery the bad guy is the bad guy and that's just you know kenneth brennan i mean you know he walks out of a church dramatically and puts on his sunglasses i mean what else do you want i mean that's just the way it is <laughs> uh i don't know just a guy trying to give him a shot yeah I mean, it's just too... That's how you know somebody's bad. It's just too easy. It's just too easy. I, <laughs> I didn't like it. And then my other big, big thing is that, and this is this is the most spoiler spoiler part, is there's basically two climaxes to the film. The first one, you've got the scene where Kathy's been captured by uh, whatever the Kenneth Branagh character's name is, and uh, he's got the CFL light bulb, right? And, and he's got uh-huh. it in her mouth, and they're riding along, and, uh, you know, you think this is game, Jack? You know, you think this is game? I tell you about my CFL light bulb in her mouth. I mean, you, you know, and so it, <laughs> it is, it's actually a pretty intense scene. Uh, but this, this scene gets to building really high. You know, it, it takes you up on this mountain peak, right? Builds and builds and builds. And, uh, oh, and obviously I have to mention, like, what do you do when you're, this guy is riding around in a truck with a uh, compact, compact fluorescent light bulb shoved in your girlfriend's mouth, about to close her jaws around it, hands in place, ready to close her jaws around it, and, she, you know, and he's riding around in this truck. What do you do? Well, you chase the truck down and make it have a wreck, right? Obviously. I mean, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Not. <laughs> that's, that, that's the obvious correct decision. Right. So anyway, <laughs> that aside, it's a very intense scene, and he does rescue her, and that feels like a, a big climax. And yet you know it's not because um, they, they still have to save the world. But but the, but but the, it feels like the movie just loses steam after that. Like that was it. That was the big deal. Now everything's just sort of like clean up. I don't know. It right. it, it just it just felt like the movie was flat thereafter. I don't. Am I the only one? No, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um the the scene where he's got the police car 
and he's driving it into the lake or the whatever, it, it de- definitely does feel a little strange. Um, yeah, it feels flat. It it doesn't make sense why he had to go about it the way he did. Um, it's just another action scene for the sake of an action scene. Yep, definitely. Well, that's that's pretty much all I have, really. Yeah, me too. I I have one other positive. I think I what I paid attention to of Patrick Doyle's score, I did like. I thought it drove the anticipation pretty well in the action. Um, just thought I'd mention that since I'm the music guy. Okay. I think it's I'm contractually obligated to my <laughs> right. by uh, contract. <laughs> the, the one that we've written on air in the air yeah. or in the, in the dust and let the rain settle it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't find anything stand out about the score. So, but, and I didn't even realize it was Patrick Doyle. So that explains why nothing stood out because <laughs> if it does stand out, you're sure not to like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, bottom line, Chad, give, give us the lowdown here, Chad. What's the bottom line? It's nothing stellar, but it was fun and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I would say I would basically echo that. I would just say that in in places it was weak, in places it was lacking, you know, and and sometimes it was completely nonsensical. But I did enjoy the film. Uh, you know, let's be clear. I rated it three out of five stars. That's 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 uh, a step above positive, uh, you know, or above neutral. So it's in the positive side of of the category. But but it's just you know, I wish I wanted it to be a better film. Uh, you know, Jack Ryan is better than this, and you know, this movie does not do Jack Ryan justice that's fair yep so that's where i'm at on it three three out of five stars oh three out of five stars for me too so uh even though you've not seen any previous films you came to the same conclusion good boy (laughs) you'll go far son oh good (laughs) i'm glad you approve yeah i do well uh (laughs) next week we're going to talk about lone survivor this film interestingly chad um is not one that i was interested in seeing it just looked like another war movie you know rough tough uh Rock'em Sock'em soldiers out there doing their thing or whatever. And I can see how people like the film. It just didn't look like the film for me. But I have heard from every quarter that this is a really, really good film. So we're going to talk about it next week. We want to see it this weekend. I assume you're going to see it this weekend, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'm tired. You're tired. We we, we came. We saw. We talked. Um, We conquered. We conquered. Where can people, uh, now that we've conquered all, people will definitely look up to you and worship you. And they'll want to follow you and keep up with your work. We're, we're going to do that. At. Uh, you can find my movie writing at chadlikesmovies.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and on twitter.com at twitter.com slash chadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. All right, and uh, you can find me at uh, MovieByte, of course, where I do a lot of writing, moviebyte.com, M-O-V-I-E-B-Y-T-E.com. Uh, and I, I, this year, it's not going to happen, but I, I would like to write a review every single week, and thus far, I have managed to do so, uh, all two of them so far this year, uh, <laughs> from, from getting back from Christmas, the uh, lost week there, and then you know getting back in the swing of things. And since I've written a review for every movie I've seen, I didn't get to do that last year. There are still reviews I'd like to write. Anyway, you can find my writing at moviebyte.com. Kind of got sidetracked there. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash tjdraperpro. Uh, moviebyte also has a Twitter account uh, at uh, twitter.com slash moviebyte. Every article we post, every podcast we, we uh, publish, it all goes out to that Twitter account, so that's a great way to keep up with us. 
Um, and uh, you can find show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 76 is where the show notes for this specific episode are located. You can also find the audio player there. You can embed the audio. You can share the link. You can send it around to your friends and your family, your loved ones. Anybody who you care about obviously should have a link to this show. Um, for sure. For sure. So head on over there and check that out. Uh, if you have time, drop by the iTunes store and give us a rating uh, because uh, we feel like this is the bed pod- best podcast in the world. If I could talk, then it would be helpful. <laughs> this is a talk show. We should, I should be able to talk. So head on over to iTunes and give us a rating that helps us out uh, get noticed in the iTunes store. So if you haven't taken the time to do that yet, please do that. That would be very helpful. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for putting up with our ranting and our opinions. Uh, we know you love it. We certainly love it. And uh, we're going to do it again next week. So make sure you tune in for that. Whenever we release the episode, we'll be talking about The Lone Survivor. So we'll see you then. Have a great week, Chad. You too, TJ. Sayonara. Sayonara.